Hello and welcome back to the Future Work Life podcast. My name is Ollie Henderson and I mentioned in the show with Jeff Schwartz last week that I was going to be in New York for the Velocity Network Foundation General Assembly and I've just got back. It was a great few days, met people from all around the world and definitely there was an overriding sense of community and as I said in previous episodes that is the general theme for this series of the Future Work Life podcast and we continue discussing some of those key themes with today's guest. His company directly taps into one of the most significant work trends we've seen over recent years and they're doing some really cool stuff to help build the connectedness that many report feeling sometimes lacking in the modern workplace. Dan Bladen is the co-founder and CEO of Cadence. Cadence is building an operating system for the future of work. Their mission is improving the coordination of people, time and space to help teams feel trusted and empowered. And Dan's got a really unique perspective in all of this, not just because his company is addressing the problem many businesses and workers are having with the design of work, particularly hybrid. He's really tapped into the tech scene in Silicon Valley, which is where he's based. And he does a lot of thinking about these subjects, so I always enjoy our conversations. We've spoken a few times now, including way back when I was writing my book. And without fail, it's a stimulating conversation where I always learn something new. Dan and I discuss the re-emergence, if you like, of a more performance-focused approach within businesses. This comes during a week where Gallup have released their most recent engagement data. And of course, as you expect nowadays, it shows a very disengaged workforce. So if you're thinking about how you can balance building a performance culture with keeping people engaged and avoiding burnout, do two things. One, check out the Future Work Life newsletter, which I publish every week on Substack and LinkedIn. And two, get in touch with me. I'm speaking to lots of businesses about these themes at the moment. And if you'd like me to come in and speak with your team, you'll find a link to book a call with me in the show notes. So let's get into my conversation with Dan. Dan, great to speak to you again today. So you're obviously out there in the market. You're talking to lots of clients, fellow entrepreneurs, What's the current sentiment out there, particularly with this continually evolving idea around remote versus office work versus hybrid? What are people saying to you? Yeah, I think it's fascinating that we're having this grand hybrid experiment, obviously, post-pandemic in a downturn macroeconomically, right? It would have been a very interesting experiment to have continued to have done the hybrid move during a boom cycle. Um, it just so happens that we're doing a hybrid move during a down cycle. Um, and so there was obviously always talk from some of the large banks and others about, hey, we need to go back. We need to do what worked previously. It's not really working at home. Let's get back together. Um, and that sentiment, and I believe because of the macroeconomic cycle in particular, has now gone, I think, throughout almost every industry. Um I think what Elon's done at Twitter and what Mark has done at Facebook or Meta has been quite remarkable, actually, the way in which they've really moved to performance and they've really leaned out the organization. You know, managers are no longer managing managers that are managing managers. There's a lot more um, focus on performance and output than there has been, I think, previously, where we lived in a world in which, you know, here in Silicon Valley, companies were hiring engineers because it meant that the other company that was a competitor couldn't have that engineer and they may or may not have been doing useful things day to day. Um, So I think that there is a huge focus on performance now because of the macroeconomic environment that's putting another lens on 
on hybrid that wasn't there during the pandemic. Um, it's super interesting. This guy, David Sachs, who runs a podcast called the All In Podcast. He's the co-founder of, of PayPal and Yammer, sold Yammer to Microsoft. He, um, he tweeted on Wednesday last week about remote and hybrid and his encouraging all his portfolio companies to go back into the office. And his tweets normally get 500 to 2 million views. This particular one was up to 14 million <laughs> on the last time I checked on Friday. And so it's a highly emotionally charged subject for a lot of people. Mm. Yes, because it balances so many of the things which we obviously all value. I think that as people are beginning to work more remotely and have more flexibility, that we had a growing sense of autonomy. And I think that appealed to people. And I suppose it's inevitable it swings back the other way to a certain extent when companies are having to rightly, frankly, put a focus on performance. How are they actually doing that? I'm always really intrigued by this because, of course, notionally, if you're a salesperson, it's pretty easy, relatively easy to see how well you're selling, particularly relative to your peers. If you are a coder and you ship a certain amount of code and certain amount of quality code, then that gives you an indication. But there are so many other roles, which it's a little more difficult to measure output um, objectively. I'm just interested, does the performance focus go hand in hand with a better understanding about how to actually measure how effective people are? I think so. I, I think companies, this is, this, this is why hybrid's so interesting because it's unearthed what a team is supposed to be doing, what's the function of an organization, how is that measured? Because the focus has moved from, well, the platform for work is no longer the office by default. The platform for work is no longer a physical space. The platform for work is now time. It's the working week. And when you put it into that context, the deliverable is now outcomes, very, very similar to an operating system on our computers right now, sending Slack to the CPU and Wi-Fi connectivity to the network modem. The OS is sending the right tasks to the right processes to get the best job done. And I think that's what hybrid has the huge opportunity to do is the right work in the right place with the right people to get the best outcome. And so... Um, I'm not sure if this is answering your question, really, but what we've certainly noticed and have been encouraging companies to do is to you know, do what startups, I think, have done for quite a while really, really well, is to focus on objectives and key results. And are you moving the ball forward every month or every quarter? Um, we've built something called the Hybrid Manifesto, hybridmanifesto.org, which is our go at trying to um, codify what hybrid should look like in an organization that values autonomy but also values a sense of teamwork and community um, and outcomes um, it's akin to the agile uh, manifesto for software development you know back 20 years ago when we were all trying to figure out how to do this at, at scale and and the hybrid kind of manifesto is built around these four key pillars trust alignment execution and flourishing and so what that really means is that managers, leaders, they've got a job now to make sure that everybody is invested in the business performing. That means that their equity, their bonuses, their salaries, their performance, like it all needs to flow back to what the business is trying to do and perform. And really every manager needs to be incentivizing their team to do that if they're going to have kind of outperforming their competitors. 
is that easier for startups and scale ups compared to a you know ten thousand person organization or a hundred thousand organization I think I, yes and no i mean and this is something we we often go back and forth on at cadence at a senior team level is there are always inside of organizations the go-getters, the people that want to do the best work of their career whilst they're at your company. Um, and they're going to position themselves in the right place at the right time. They're going to put the yards in, that, the hours in to perform. And then there are others to which, you know, they're perhaps not, they're working to live. You know, it's perhaps not as missional to them. They might just be turning up for a paycheck and, you know, that's fine as well. It doesn't mean that I don't think they can be aligned to the business or the company performing. There are more than enough jobs, particularly in the US, out there for people to to join and go to if they don't feel aligned to their company. Um, and maybe that's a bit of a generalization and a uh, platonic ideal thing to say. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think you're right. It's harder in a 10,000-person company if you're in some mid-level and you're not feeling particularly attached to the business, but you know, you've know you got bills to pay, a roof to keep over your head for you and your family, I can certainly see why alignment and flourishing like might not be a top of your agenda. Like if you're, you, do, you might not like your boss, for example, but I tell you what, hybrid can go both ways. Like hybrid can also, and tools like Cadence can also help position you to be in the best place for your family too. It can with our new feature at Cadence called Smart Suggestions, you know, we can recommend days you should actually be at home because the people that matter to you aren't going to be in the office on those days, for example. Um, and so I think it can go both ways, if I'm honest with you. There is a give and take um, in hybrid, both from the employer and employee perspective. Yeah, you touched on something there, which is invariably where many people end up when I start talking to them about hybrid and they perhaps work within organizations that haven't really embraced this idea of reimagining what work means because probably in a lot of cases they just don't have the skills to do that within the management and leadership Um, but often people say well uh, you know still I turned up at the office and no one's there so what's the point I might as well have stayed at home I could have got my done my work done better and I guess that is one of the problems that you're addressing with Cadence, right? You're saying, you know, the whole point of building team relatedness and building connection between people is it depends yeah. upon actually interacting with them and engaging with them. And that is clearly one of the advantages of congregating in person, but still most companies aren't doing that particularly effectively. Well, it's, 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 it's the acknowledgement that the platform has changed, that it's not, it, it wasn't ever about the office. The office is now a tool in which can be used to do your best work or some of your best work. Um, and it's particularly good for collaboration, coordination, uh, collaboration, culture making, um, as well as creativity. There's some great data out now from Nick Bloom at Stanford showing that there's about 15% increase in innovation when people are together on creative tasks. Um, but at the same time, there's 35% less resignations if you offer remote as part of your hybrid week. So both can be true you know i don't turn up to the train station particularly here in california without knowing what time my train's going to go and i think it's somewhat lazy if i'm honest on employees just turning up to the office thinking that everyone's going to be there on the day that they happen to turn up um the the game's changed time has changed um and so 
the best employees are trying to figure out where they're going to be on each day to do their best work. And they're starting to use tools like Cadence to do that. Um, and we will send you smart notifications on days that we think are right for you to go in based on the teams that you're a part of, your what we call your starred colleagues, your friends inside the organization. So the outcome is now the chief aligning officer <laughs> for the company and the platform is now time. Therefore, how you position yourselves is really really a great skill that I think the best employees are going to master um, and use to their advantage. Where does the idea of community fit into all of this? Because for a start, you see community as a part of a job title, but used in different ways within different organizations. But certainly I now think very differently about what my working community means. I work primarily remotely, but I work with teams who are based in different locations around the world, different connections with each of them. But I also need my fill of getting together with people in person. So I have different groups and peer groups and mentors that kind of fulfill some of that for me. So my sort of understanding of community has changed over the past few years. I wonder how you think about it, both from the point of view of your own company, but particularly how that extends to the people who are coming to yeah. you about a solution. This is huge. And it goes beyond just a sense of well-being. It goes into performance. It goes into mental health. It touches on, I think, what it means for us to actually be human, which is why I'm so fascinated about hybrid work. And hopefully we stop calling it hybrid in the next three to six months and we just call it <laughs> we just call it work. Um, and, you know, some data from Deloitte came out in the UK yesterday, June 5th, um, saying that over 40% of adults in the UK are now working in a hybrid mind, hybrid mindset uh, framework. And that's the biggest move of the workforce since post World War Two in the UK. So colossal amount of movement and rethinking and which is why we're still having the conversation, but hopefully we'll just call it work soon. Um, and not, not hybrid anymore. Um, but I'm super fascinated about the community side of things. I heard someone recently say that scientists are now starting to understand that at an atomic level, everything from an atom, for example, is the way that it is because of its relativity to something else. Um, if you think of a blade of grass, for example, it's that color because of the water that it's got and the sunlight that it's had and then the soil that it's in and so on and so forth. And so, and you can take that to the nth degree, right? Uh, I think that's true of us as humans. I'm the way I am because of those in which I'm in community with, those in which I've grown up with, those in which raised me. And I think that we are humans that have the ability to be independent, <laughs> but we're actually built and designed for community. So we're communal beings that are capable of being independent rather than independent beings that are capable of community is kind of how I would put this. And when you frame it in that, you're like, oh yeah, okay, that's why I need to be around. You mentioned getting energy from certain people, being around different people, people that are the same zeitgeist fit to you or what have you. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, there's a, and there's a there's starting to be ESG studies that come out about this too. Um, the same is also true um, from a diversity and inclusion perspective. Um, we've also got to rem remember that for some, it's harder going in 
to the office every day than others. Um, we've certainly come across people um, where, uh, from a mental health perspective, going into the office is actually really, really challenging post-pandemic. And so we're starting to look at cadence about, okay, well, are that is that person in a community internally? Have they had the ability to talk to our head of people? Um, is their line manager tooled up and skilled to ask the right questions? So even at cadence, like we're starting to train our managers on how to properly do one-to-ones that are looking after the human being, not just the human doing. Yeah, I've had Bruce Daisley on the podcast recently and his, he wrote his book Fortitude kind of based on yeah. some of the much of the talk about resilience and how we should all be resilient and how, uh, you know, the response to COVID is that we've built our individual resilience. And, you know, one of the key insights he discussed was actually resilience tends to be something that you build and um demonstrate as part of a collective it's collective resilience and actually coming you know being together and supporting each other it gives each other strength and i i definitely definitely see that um the other thing of course is that we were discussing is the importance of actually work is i think sometimes when and this is my my whole issue with the work-life balance concept was it kind of paints work as the bad part of that equation whereas actually work is incredibly rewarding and fulfilling for a lot of people and actually again you know one of those things that you took for granted back in the day when everybody was in the office is you had friends like genuine friendships that you built at work and i do worry and i think the evidence suggested that fewer people are now building those types of friendships which also characterizes something which gives you a sense of meaning and purpose in the work that you do yeah. so i, I yeah. can see that yeah brad brad stolberg has done some great work on this in his book the practice of groundedness and he talks about community being a real powerful force for grounding uh, you know it provides people with a sense of belonging and support and shared purpose he says, when you're grounded in community, we're less likely to feel lonely, isolated, anxious, and more likely to feel supported. I'd also argue that it's sacrificial. Like, you you can't flourish without sacrifice. <laughs> and we may be getting a little bit theological here, but you can't actually live in flourishing without sacrifice. Um, you can live in control, <laughs> and you can have control, yeah. but you can't get to flourishing without going continually to go through sacrifice so what does that look like that means getting on the train like that means going in in the rain because actually you might have a better outcome you might see that friend or that person that actually need to see you today that you didn't know about and that's the bit that really bugs me about autonomy and almost entitlement is the i'm an autonomous being i'm going to do what works for me it's like great <laughs> but we're actually something bigger than our autonomous selves um going in today uh, for example, I'm in San Francisco today. I'm, well, I'm in Menlo Park right now. Uh, I live near San Jose. I'm doing a couple of meetings in Menlo Park in the phone booth before continuing on to lunch in San Francisco. And it's, you know, it's a drive. It's a train commute. And it's not always the easiest. But I know that I'm going to have a better outcome seeing this partner for lunch than I would be if I was doing that over Zoom. In fact, when we were fundraising for Cadence last year, we had a much, much higher um, I think everybody that we met basically invested physically. <laughs> that wasn't the same for everybody that we had on Zoom. Um, yeah. So there is a sacrifice for going in. It also kicks you out of your little echo chamber, right? When I'm going into the city today, I'm going to be around a bunch of people that 
aren't in my neighborhood or aren't yeah. that I'd normally bump into. Um, and I just think that that's healthy. Um, so I would really put, I'd love to see people thinking about in the same way that we, you know, we, 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 we're starting to eat and people are eating well because they know that it's good for them, even though it might not be as tasty as other things. Like what does that mean for us to be on the diet is the wrong word, but a variance of who we're hanging out with and who we're being intentional about being with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think flexibility has become um, a demand for many people, but flexibility is a two way street as well. You know, employers, organizations can, I think it's absolutely right to be flexible and fit around people's lives in order to bring out the best of them and give them the opportunity to be able to focus on performing well. But that also means being flexible from an individual point of view and understanding that there are inherent differences in every workforce. You know, the, the, each member of your team has different requirements in terms of flexibility. And as you suggested, yeah. and I hadn't really thought about it, actually, I like the way you said that. There are many occasions when you go in not knowing that there's somebody actually needs you that day. And sometimes yeah. just having that ritual almost of being around and being available can really support people when they need it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and hybrid is a very much a family affair. Like, you know, I've got to be back for a certain time this afternoon because my wife needs to go um, to, a, to a school event. Right. And so that's in a shared calendar. <laughs> We're intentional about it. I figure out how to get the commute and organize my day around it. Um, and yeah, so th- I, I very much think it's, it's, it's an intentional, it's an intentional practice. And, but I don't think, I don't know anyone that feels like they've got it right yet. Um, the good news is that it's give and take, but that means that there is a blurring of lines, right? It means that, yes, on Fridays, perhaps you're, you know, you might, we had a colleague the other day that went to play snooker, right? Midday, <laughs> they went to play snooker. They just said to their manager, hey, I actually needed that for my my health. <laughs> I, I needed that to go out. I need to get a break. And there's no question about whether that's a good thing or bad thing to do at Cadence because I can see what the output of that individual is and if they've hit their objectives and key results or not. So there's no question. There's a high amount of trust in that transaction. Um, the same thing is true of vacations, right? There's a blurred line now, I think, continuing to be on vacation. How often are you on? And so what we would encourage companies to do is codify what different channels of communication are for. So at Cadence, we ban internal email. Internal email is not allowed unless you're talking about or you're forwarding another a customer's email. Everything's on Slack. Slack is asynchronous. So you're not expecting an immediate response if it's on Slack. And then there's Zoom and you can pick up the phone and call somebody. And then if you are on vacation, um, it's annual required. There's something on fire. It's a, it's a text message. They say, hey, I actually need you to jump on this. This thing's blowing up. And that happens few and far between. Um, the other thing I think that we're seeing in our data from our end customers is that people are really taking vacation around the traditional vacation times in a really deep way and so people are really really logging off over christmas now um not just at cadence but amongst our 400 plus customers around the world like they're really logging off at christmas easter and spring breaks or a massive dip in usage for cadence so people are being much more intentional about being off at the same time actually in hybrid which is really interesting 
it would be remiss of me not to mention AI uh, right now. I mean, just interested, and look, we could talk about this for hours, I'm sure, but I'm sure you're exploring this as much as I am. You know, there are both opportunities to this and implications in terms of how we build companies. What are you most excited about the current developments in AI and how that can help you shape your business and your culture? Yeah, um, we're using it internally. We've been using it internally for quite a while now. Um, the product's starting to have it in as well. We just announced Smart Suggestions, which is starting to be powered by uh, machine learning as well. So we'll be making really, really smart recommendations about which colleagues you should be in and where and when. Um, listen, I, I, one of our board members said to said to me about AI to start with, like it solves particularly ChatGPT and Bard and stuff. Like It solves the cold start problem. Right. The number of times I used it yesterday where I put in some random thoughts and said, hey, can you synthesize these thoughts for me into a sentence that makes sense for my management team? And it goes and does it. So it's taking a lot of the grunt for me out of my day to day workflow. Um, I would say that companies need to think of AI um, in three specific ways. There is an art of war game that's happening right now where everybody's standing up AI in some form, shape or another. And the truth is a lot of companies are saying if, 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 if the tech that they've built works, it's therefore smart. So it must be AI. So like there is this almost like people that don't really know crypto use the word Bitcoin to describe the whole crypto industry. It's like, well, just because it's smart doesn't mean that it's AI, right? There's this generalization. So there's this art of war that's happening. So that's the first thing that's happening in marketing land. Second thing is that um, I think people are going to start having AI-driven insights. So they're going to you're going to be able to ask questions of the data in much more of a, uh, a natural language way. And then I think there is super interesting with the Apple headset yesterday. Um, two very competing views of the world, right? Apple's Reality Pro or Vision Pro headset, where you put the goggles on. And your inner user interface on top or the world has a user interface layered on top of it. Juxtaposed to Bard and um, and ChatGPT, whereas we're using natural language to interface with the computer, right? Uh, and with machines. So it's going to be super... I, I'm much more bullish on the latter and natural language being used over and above us conforming ourselves to a UI driven interface um, anymore and hunching over and doing weird actions with our hands, etc. Um, so two very competing different parts of the world there. But the third part of that stool is, you know, natural language interface interface. And I think the a big change for what it means for graphical user interfaces and for, for end product. Great. Well, look, Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me today. Cool. Thanks, man. That was my conversation with Dan Bladen. Thanks to Dan for joining me. Thanks to you, as ever, for listening. More good stuff to come next week. My guest is someone who's considered to be one of the leading experts on community building. It's David Spinks. So in the meantime, check out the newsletter, Future Work Life, on Substack and LinkedIn. Get in touch with me on LinkedIn. And as I said at the beginning, if you'd like to hear me speak about these themes, you can book some time with me via the link in the show notes. Have a great week.